I remember when they told me there was nothing for me. No hopes to keep on dreaming, and I was way past 30. I sat in my room, and I began to cry. Then caught myself again, said I would upgrade my life. I'm gonna upgrade my life. I'm gonna upgrade my life. Could never do it without my tribe. I'm gonna upgrade my life. Welcome to the Dr. D Inspire Upgrade My Life and Biz podcast, where we give you tools and tips to reach personal and professional goals. Grasso here, president of Turning on the Lights Global Institute. I am super excited to say hello. I feel like it's been a while, but some must, much needed rest. And today, I want you to know that we are starting a special holiday podcast series where we will be bringing to you entrepreneurs, leaders, and change agents all throughout this portion of the year as we head into 2024. And of course, we're living in some very challenging times. So I do hope that this series brings you some motivation, some clarity, and some purpose as it relates to helping you to reach new personal and professional goals. Well, last year, 2022, we had our International Women Build Confidence Conference, where we talked about what it would mean to be the best. And so we had the wonderful Patty Aubrey join us. Now, Patty Aubrey is deeply passionate about facilitating tangible results for her clients with a wealth of experience as the brand builder of Chicken Soup for the Soul Enterprises and the president of the Canfield Training Group, Patty is your trusted advisor for personal development, business strategy, and strategic planning. She's a, she is dedicated to guiding individuals toward their desired outcomes. I also had a chance to work with Patty directly as both a student in the Canfield Training Program, BTS, as well as with Patty Aubrey, and she is a breath of fresh air. Look, take out your notebooks, grab your pens, because this is going to be a time of learning. Y'all want to know, how did that happen? How did, how did I have that broken laptop and half our things in Portugal and we were on an air mattress. There's so much I could tell you about circumstance, okay? But can somebody put in the chat box, Dr. D, keep it real. Because I came to keep it real. I came to play full out. I came to also grow. I didn't come to sugarcoat anything. And so for me, my story of courage is I know what it is like to look out the window and wonder, is there more? Can somebody put that, is there more for me? I know what it is like to look like a success on paper and even in photos on Facebook, but to despise my life, to actually resent it. Who's with me? I need y'all to know I'm, I'm not talking about myself. I know what it is like to wonder, is there more? I know what it's like 
to have a diagnosis of endometriosis, to think I was going to have five kids by the time I was 32, to have endometriosis and surgeries and a great big depression. Oh, I know what it is like when you tell yourself, is there more? Have you ever had that moment where nobody was watching, nobody really understood what you were really going through, and you sat in the basement of your dreams? That was me. And I had that moment where I laid on my bed and I just kind of looked up. I call him God. You might call him something else. And I was like, why did I go through this? And why did I go through that? And why? And you know, you ever had that moment? Well, that was me. I had all that moment because I was tired of people telling me what they thought I could do. I was tired of faking it. Like I didn't, it's not that I didn't love teaching because I love teaching, but I had a luggage full of journals of my dreams. Have you guys had journals full of your dreams? I had a luggage full of what I wanted to accomplish. And I was at that point, you know, in my early 30s. And I was just telling myself, is it possible anymore? Because what do most people tell you about entrepreneurship? They either tell you that's a good idea, but when are you going to find that next job? Or they tell you, uh, um, you know, maybe that's not a realistic dream. I had so many people tell me that even if I was in positions that looked like success, success I still wanted more. So today I'm actually going to, I'm going to change my background for a second. I'm going to actually share this, one of these poems from my latest uh, book that I have. So you guys give me one second to change this, um, my background to normal. So you can actually see my book. Um, So this new book, Sidonius Chronicles. I'm going to read this because I read it um, at the last conference, but it, it goes on like this. It takes courage to leave the familiar. By the way, act like you're in a coffee shop. Put your two snaps in the chat box when you feel like you've heard something. Who's still with me? Y'all with me? Are we in the coffee shop now? Okay, I see. I'm, we in the coffee shop. We ready to go. It takes courage to leave the familiar. I was 16. I was walking down the street. I was walking in the city past the broken beer bottles. Who's still with me? I mean, I was a city girl. I was walking past the cats calling me for attention to avoid the urban tragedies that laid before me. And I just dreamed of becoming. And I saw new glimpses at 19 as I learned about the idea of self-acceptance. And I just dreamed of becoming all that was not expected of me. I mean, a good day was when we would go outside and let the water from the hydrant splash all over our bodies. Tito Puentes could be heard playing out of Abuela's home, reminding us that it was time to come home before the lights came on. And we all knew that an urban lower middle-class existence meant hard work. We were avoiding prayer pressure and getting to the other side of what we call the American dream. You see, I work in television. I wrote for the paper. I spoke for the radio. And I wrote in journals from 1995 to 2005 to 2015. And I wondered what becoming would feel like. I mean, I wanted to become someone who would accept herself. I wanted to become confident in a manner that surpassed my internal flaws. I mean, I wanted to become five-star and believe that my dreams of turning on the lights in my life and those of others were possible. And as I believed, 
I just began. And in 2008, I said, hey, ladies, you want to come over for an empowerment circle? And I only saw four. Then in 2010, I saw 12. And then I took a pause. And guess what? Procrastination became my twin sister. My poems in a box called I Will Get To It. And one, my goal of motivational speaking, books, and training, all were put in a box called one day. My brother, familiarity, would show up every day with calls that said, wow, you're doing so much. But in my heart, I knew I could just do so much more. If I would be honest with myself, I could say no to the things that sounded good and begin to get clear around my distant cousin potential. A solid incubation would remind me to look at that little nine-year-old girl and determine that there was some inner healing that had to occur for the 40-year-old best version of Alana to show up. And I heard, Alana, if you're to be this businesswoman, you have to believe you're beautiful, you're valuable, and nothing about you is a mistake. Can you say it with me? I'm beautiful. I'm valuable. And nothing about me is a mistake. Taking a deep breath, and I double dear you right as you're seated. When I say one, two, three, I want you to take space. So if you need to pretend that you're marching in your chair, and I literally mean that, then march in your chair. See, I want you to step into what I call the hot box. I want you to take an imaginary hat of the past. So take Pretend you're lifting your hand out and there's a hat and it's called your past. Okay, you got it on your head. And I want you to take it. When I come from one to three, I want you to throw it to the floor. One, two, three, throw the hat of the past to the floor. Well, let's do it again. One, I didn't believe y'all. One, two, three, throw it to the floor. All right. Now I want you to take in a deep breath. And when I say take space, I want you to march in your chair three times because you're taking space for new dreams to come true. Y'all ready? I'm going to wait to see if y'all doing this. Who's ready? Who's ready? Let me see. Put ready in the chat box. I see some hands up. All right. One, two, three. Take space. One. Good. One, two, three. Take space. I'm taking it with you. You're looking mighty fine. You're looking mighty fine. You're looking mighty fine. I double dare some of you. I don't even care if you're seated. I want you to stand up. And when I count one, two, three, take space. I need you to take space. I did not come to play. This is for you. One, two, three, take space. All right, you're looking great. This is called the journey of courage. This is called the journey of courage. And I took out my phone. I got on Instagram with zero viewers and I said hello to nobody. No one was there. And with time, things began to change. See, I want to tell you about the bamboo tree. It's a significant plant. It takes five years to show. The bamboo takes five years to actually show root. You see, I had to research the bamboo tree. This tree must be watered for a five-year period. And in this time, nothing is happening. In this time, the farmer is waiting. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been waiting for your bamboo tree to show up or your bamboo dream to show up, waiting for three to five years for this new dream to begin, why don't you stand up if you are excited? Stand up and tell yourself, I can and I will upgrade my life. Boom. Wow. Why don't you write upgrade my life. If you love that, if you appreciated that story of courage, my story of courage, I want you to know that today you can make that affirmative statement. I can upgrade my life because to upgrade means to raise something to a higher standard. I actually want you to do this thing for me right now. Put your hands on your eyes so you're not even looking at the video. Put your hands right here and say, I can and I will upgrade my life. I can and I will upgrade my life. And keep your eyes closed. I really want you to think about what does that upgrade look like for you? And I'm going to pause. Don't open your eyes. What does it mean to upgrade in your life? Where are you seated? Who are you talking to? Whose lives will be impacted because you showed up? I want you to envision that. You're more than your job. You're more than your present circumstance. You're more than what's in your bank account. Think about your purpose and ask yourself, what would it mean to upgrade? Now you can look at me and I want to thank you for participating in that because you really are that valuable. You show up for other people. You show up for your family. You showed up for a job and sometimes you didn't like it. You showed up for things that you were committed to. But tonight, I want you to put your hands right here and just remind yourself, you know what, tonight I'm showing up for me. Tonight. I'm going to envision that I can be a prosperous business owner, but I don't have to do it by myself. Wow. Well, I'm going to bring, well, first of all, because that was powerful. I want to ask some of you in the chat box, what are you feeling after doing that activity? What are you feeling? Did you feel moved? Did you feel that upgrade that I felt? Because I felt it just doing it with you. Um, Latia says, I feel inspired. Patty says, that was amazing. I feel you. I felt a shift. I feel uplifted. I felt the upgrade. Wow. Joy says, I'm here for me. I'm here to get the support to remain powerful and hopeful. I feel inspired. You know, it's usually normal for me in this season to just be busy, right? Because the conference was happening and things were going on. And something told me 48 hours ago to just pause. And to really look at the impact that Turning on the Lights Global has had on hundreds of people. And as I looked out at the photos and at the images, I said to myself, this is so much more than what I could have ever imagined. And how many of us survived the pandemic? How many of us 
somehow persisted through. And guess what? We are still standing. So I want you to tell yourself, you know what? I may not be where I want to be. I may not be where I thought I was going to be, but I am two steps closer today because I decided to show up. Can you put in the chat box, I showed up. It takes something for you to show up. It's great to look at a picture. It's great to ask someone else to describe what an experience is, but it's something else when you put your two foot down and you say to yourself, I'm showing up for me. And to wrap this up, you know, in the beginning of Tolji, I said to myself, oh, I'm just a teacher. You know, I can't be a business owner. That's what, that's what I thought in the beginning. And I still remember taking my cat and putting him on my couch <laughs> and saying, hello, my name is Dr. Alana and I'm the president of Turning on the Lights Global Institute. And my cat said, meow. <laughs> and you know what? I did that every day. I practiced becoming five-star to myself first because we can't charge five-star or do five-star things in our business until we know inherently we are beautiful, we are valuable, and nothing about us is a mistake. Wow. With that, I'm getting ready to segue. How many of you guys can't wait to hear about Patty Aubrey. How many of you are super excited to hear this boss, professional, guru, successful woman come on our virtual stage? I know I'm excited. You see, I met Patty because during the pandemic, I was like, okay, I can serve people, but I need support. And I was able to join with Patty back then and receive and learn from her. And she is just a ball of She's just a ball of wisdom, a ball of just, she's that person that when you feel like you just can't, you know, you're burnt out, Patty is just going to kind of get to the core of it and remind you that not only is permission granted as her book is called, but remind you that, you know what, what is it that's in your heart? So first I want, uh, I want to just introduce and bring uh, Patty here. So hold on, um, hold on. Everybody, please show your excitement for the lovely Patty Aubrey. Patty, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining us. We just can't wait. People have watched one of our prior podcast interviews. How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. I, I could listen to you all day long, and I love your poems. I have all your books sitting right over here on my shelf. And I loved when you said, remember those days when we had, we had to get home before the lights went on? What happened to those days? And, and that's true. And I loved also when you said, you know, how difficult it can be for us to say no. You know, mm -hmm. and I always like to say to people, it's not against you, it's for me. And, and that's a no. You know, it's not against you, it's for me. All right. Well, I'm going to give Patty the virtual stage. Thank you, Patty. Welcome home. And give me one second. There you go. Well, I just want to say hello to all of you, and I want to congratulate you for being here because you deserve it, and you are in good hands with Dr. Alana. She is amazing. And so my question for you tonight, at, I, I know it's a Friday night, so you're obviously very committed, but are you ab absolutely willing to give yourself permission to show up, speak up, and be seen if you are type in the chat? All right. 
Yes, good, good. And it's and it takes work, but I promise you it's worth it. It really is. And I'm also curious, how many of you are in a job right now that you don't necessarily love and you're and you're looking to transition? You can just put transition in in the chat and want to see how many of you are kind of in that space. Or maybe you're wanting to write a book or become a speaker um, and are just sort of getting ready. All right. All right, great. And how many of you have kids in a family are wondering, can I actually do this? Anybody, anybody with that? Anybody wondering how are they going to balance it all together? <laughs> me, me, yes, I've been there. I get it. All right, well, here's the good news. It's all possible. It's going to take a little work and a little bit of confidence, but it's going to happen. So my promise to you today is literally to simply remind you that you actually have everything you need to achieve your dreams and your goals, everything personally and professionally, as long as you're willing to take the time for yourself to gain the clarity that you need to look at what's next, because clarity and confidence together will give you the power to power and mow through. So are you with me on that? And I know you're, I know you are because you wouldn't be here if you weren't. All right. So here's the thing. I want you to write this down. I, and I know we all, and Dr. Alana was talking about it earlier, that you all obviously have the desire to grow and that you have some desire to step into a new version of yourself. You know, maybe transition out, maybe ask for that permission, maybe talk about a dream that you've been hiding inside, whatever it is it's time to look at what's next. So I want you to write this down. What does 2023 mean to me? All right. Are you with me? All right. What does 2023 mean to me? And, and that might feel a little awkward because lots of times we don't take the time to ask ourselves what do we want or what, you know, what can we do? We're always putting everybody ahead of us. So in the beginning, when you start to think that way, it feels awkward. It felt awkward for me. It still feels awkward. And as women, I like to say, it's sort of like, just, it's in our DNA to inspire and help everybody else. But when it comes to ourselves, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner. Anybody feel like they've been on the back burner in the last two days, <laughs> one month, three months? You just put back burner just so I know. All right, so we are just so wired to help others that we have forgotten how to ask for support for ourselves. And so one of the big things today is to give yourself permission to ask for that support. And this is the one kind of like weird piece for me. I don't ask for permission for something. I ask for permission, I ask for support. So in, like, if I go to my husband and say, hey, um, can I, you know, I just really want to go do this. Instead, I say, uh, I'd like to have your support to do this. So um, just, I kind of have to reword that one piece. So that gets a little triangly for me with permission. But just remember, ask for permission for support, not a yes or a no, okay? And um, And the other thing too is when we start to, Kind of transition this new space of putting ourselves first. Lots of times our egos 
they just play this role and, 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 it, you know, we can call it imposter syndrome. We can call it the other voice in our head, whatever it is, it's, it, you know, it looks like, well, what if I don't do a good job? Well, what if I don't have the answers? Well, what if I look stupid? What if somebody judges me? Um, who wants to listen to me? You know, I'm not as educated as Dr. Alana or, you know, I didn't go to Harvard or, um, do I have to do the whole thing myself? I must have to do everything myself. So I look like I have all the answers. And I think for a lot of us, that's what happens. So if you can relate to that by thinking, if I don't do it all, I'm not good enough. I've been there. So just type it in the chat. How are you doing in that? What is your, I, I like to know, what does your ego say to you when you start to have those dreams? You're in the shower in the morning, you're all inspired. You just had your coffee and you have this big dream and what shows up? <laughs> Butcher, baker, candlestick maker, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No one wants to hear from you. Fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then what happens? We go back and we put our dreams back on the back burner. We play it safe. We stay just comfortable enough to be stuck. And um, we start to get, like Dr. A said earlier, we start to get a little bit resentful. And probably frustrated. Anybody ever feel frustrated or burned out? Like, oh my gosh, do I really have to get up today or can I just Netflix? Right? When we listen to ourselves, yes. Can anybody name the number one show on Netflix right now? Because I can. <laughs> so we're all human. All right. So here's the thing. In my case, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for years for somebody else to give me permission to show up. And again, by putting myself last and staying, I, I kept, I, I kept thinking, I'll just keep, I'll, I'll stay busy getting ready to be ready. And, and I know that I was just kind of hiding in a way. So I really want to encourage you to look at where, how do I hide and where am I hiding? And if you can just write, start writing those things down acknowledging something is the first step to choice. And so once you acknowledge where you're getting stuck, you can decide to choose you. So again, my question for you is what's just keeping you comfortable enough to stay stuck? Is it that security of the job that you really don't like that you know you're over? Is it the fear of judgment of your friends saying, what are you out of your mind? You're going to go do what? Is it just lack of experience that we're only going to get if we actually take that next step, what is it? Hide behind busy being busy. Yeah, I get it. I so get it. All right. So challenge number one today, permission to give yourself time and energy to show up. So here's the deal. It's a good news, bad news situation. In order to give yourself permission to really show up, you have to take 100% responsibility for your life. Now, that's one thing. And in my day, when I heard that, I'm like, what? I don't know. I'm just going to ask all of you, who wants more responsibility? Put a Y or a no or an N in the, in the chat. Yeah, right? Nobody wants more responsibility. We all have enough responsibility. We're raising kids. We're dealing with our husbands. We're dealing with other people. Exactly. But here's the good news. The good news is we can flip it. We can go from responsibility to ability to respond. All right. And so if we flip that, 
that's a different feeling, right? Knowing we have the ability to respond differently feels like we have a little bit more control. That's the good news. So there's an equation that I live by, and I wish I had known this equation in the very beginning. I actually did, but I got lost in it because I got stuck on the 100% responsibility. And the equation is E plus R equals O. So I want you to write that down. E plus R equals O. All right. So E stands for events that happen in our life. You know, somebody cuts us off on the freeway. Um, our husband walks in in a bad mood. We have a horrible coworker, whatever it is, those events, they are not controllable. There's nothing we can do about that. Now the R stands for response. And so when we get cut off on the freeway, that's an event. Our response is flip the person off, maybe, or say, hmm, I wonder if that person's having a bad day. It's a reframe. Or you walk into the office, the event is the person sitting at the desk gives you the cold shoulder. Our immediate response could be, it's more of a reaction, actually, before I, I really got this. Oh, I must have done something wrong. And I start walking on eggshells. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Check that ego at the door. Don't make this story about you. And then I think, hold on a second. And I go back with a different response. Are you okay? And the outcome is I end up having a conversation with the person at the front desk where they weren't okay. But I almost missed that opportunity to support that person because I wasn't in that intentional choice of responding. I was in that knee-jerk reaction of responding. Different outcomes completely different outcomes. And that literally goes from the time you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off, you can either hit snooze and sleep in and be late, or you can pop out of bed and know that you'll be untired in a little bit after you work out or go for a walk or call a friend or have coffee or whatever it is. All right. So it's really important to know that we have the ability to respond differently by choosing what it is that we want. Okay. So I just want to give you an example of the first, I think the first time in my life that I actually did this, I was in a job I hated. I was 24 years old and I had this joke with my dad when I was growing up, I'm never going to be a secretary. And my, because my father was a typist in the army. And so he said, you are going to learn to type. And I said, I don't need to know how to type. My secretary is going to type for me. And my dad said, no, you are going to learn to type. So of course he won that one. And so I did. And I, I decided I'm in this job. I can't stand it. I decided to go to a weekend workshop. I'd never, ever been to any kind of a workshop in my life. And I only stayed at the job I was in because of the, the boss that I had. I actually liked him, but I didn't like anyone else. I liked a few people, but the owners were awful. Women were to be seen and not heard. And that obviously wasn't going to work for me. I was in human resources a lot, getting in trouble. And so I decided to leave. And I got out the LA Times. This is way before there was internet. And I start scouring the paper and I'm, I had moved back in with my parents. I'm married to my first husband. That's fun living with your parents. And I'm going through, and, and at the time I went to this workshop, I set my first goal ever. I didn't even know what a goal was. It was, I don't know. That seems so crazy to me today, but I really didn't. And so my goal was to make 25,000 a year. At the time, I was making 14500 So I start looking and I start looking. I'm thinking, I'm never going to get to 25. I mean, how am I going to get to 25? That's insane. And I see this ad and it says 25000 a year. And it's huge and bold. 
And underneath it says secretary wanted. I'm like, I don't want to be a secretary. So my first reaction, I don't want to be a secretary. My second response, wait, I do want that 25,000. The outcome was I went to the interview. I actually didn't get the job the first time. So I left. I was very, I, I, I heard a few days later, I'm sorry, we, we picked somebody that has a little bit more experience in the hotel industry because we're in the training field and it didn't work out. So I got a call back by a man named Jack Hanfield. And he said, actually, um, would you come down? I think we're supposed to work together. And I said, hmm, okay, but it's going to cost you 30. And he said, all right. And I went down there, I interviewed again, and kind of the rest is history um, on lots of levels. But I thought, well, he's nice and he's easy, he's smart, maybe this will work. And by the way, just like Dr. D was saying earlier, how people are going to say, oh, you can't do that or you can't do this. My father freaked out. He was, he said, I sent you to school to get a degree in business and you're going to work for a hippie. And I said, dad, the hippie went to Harvard. Maybe I'll get a Harvard education for free. I'm just a Valley girl living in LA. I mean, who knows what could happen? And so just from that one intentional choice, that one response, and by the way, it was a gut instinct. I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't even really understand what he did in the beginning. I didn't know who he was. He really wasn't anybody. He was teaching self-esteem in the classroom. So it wasn't like he was famous, but there was something inside that just said, no, you're supposed to do this. And so I really, I, I followed it. And about a year and a half in, I'm in the office. And by that time, by the way, I, he, I, I came to the office and he literally said, I'm leaving for three weeks to go on the road and here's a bunch of stuff for you to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have nobody bossing me around. This is amazing for somebody with ADD. I get to do whatever I want. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. So I, I started looking around. I started looking at the financials. I'm looking at how they're doing their invoicing and realized that they were paying someone to write code. It was They were spending way more money than they needed to spend. So I took it upon myself to fire the guy who was writing code for this computer. I bought a new Apple. I had a friend of mine export everything in. I changed out the dot matrix printer for a laser printer. I redid all of his slides that were on with crayons on real overheads. And he came back and I said, and by the way, I want to be vice president of operations. He said, make up a card. So who would have ever thought I just, and, and most of my friends kept saying, now, who is this that you work for now? What are you doing? And this was in 1989. And so if any of you are old enough, which I don't know if many of you on here are, uh, we were in, we had a major recession. And so things got really, really bad. And I think I was probably working a good like eight to 10 hours a day. And then Jack came back to the office after uh, a gig and he said, you know, mostly all these women that come to my events, they're asking if I have that story that I told from stage in a book. And I keep telling them, just go buy my Nightingale Kona tapes or go to Career Track. And they would say, no, no, you understand. I, don't, I, I read. I don't, I'm not in my car long enough. I'm dropping the kids off at, the, at school. I'm going to the grocery store. Like I'm I don't have time to listen to something in my car. I I really want to have it in a book. And so finally he said, you know, I think this is God or the universe giving us feedback that we're supposed to put all these stories in a book. And at 25, thank God, 25, without an opinion, I said, okay. And so for the next 
three and a half years, we compiled what became the first chicken soup for the soul book. And what we didn't know was that you should probably go try to find a publisher back in that day, find a publisher before you spend three and a half years on a, on writing a book because there was no Amazon. So you couldn't self-publish. And, um, and so we, <clears throat> we finished the book. We went out, we had, we gave it to an agent. He went out, he went to every single person on the planet that was a publisher. Everyone said no. And so he baked, he came back and he said, listen, I can't sell the book and I'm really sorry. And so what did we do? We were like, well, no, just means next. We can't give up. We're, we're three and a half years in. I'm at this point, I'm making about $2 an hour, working 18 hour days, writing away, editing away. Probably, I think I edited that first book six times for the girl that got a C in English, but learned how to edit from Jack's red lines over and over and over on a Mac 20 that has screen this big, which probably explained my early cataract surgery. So anyway, we went to a book show and, um, and Jack said, I know this guy that's got a booth there. I'm going to call and maybe we can just park a bunch of manuscripts in that area. And um, we'll just walk around, we'll hand out manuscripts to every single person. So he and Mark, our co-author, they put backpacks on. I kept printing and printing and bringing more down to the convention center in LA. And they would just pass them out. And at the very end of, I think it was three days, they still had all no's. And then Jack was walking out to his car in the parking lot, a little depressed. And the one guy that said, you can put your stuff in my booth came out and said, Hey, Jack, you know, I could publish that book for you. And Jack said, well, I really would want to know that you like it. And he said, well, why don't you give me a manuscript? And so we gave him a manuscript and literally Peter Vegso, our publisher, who became our publisher for the next 18 years, called from the airport, said, my eyeballs are watering or my eyeballs are crying or sweating or something. I want to publish this book. And I actually didn't learn that story until about four years ago when we were doing a documentary. And I thought, how often are people that are right in front of us, the answer and the solution, if we're just willing to share the vision? Sometimes we think, oh, I know that person too good. It's like the grass is greener on the other side when it wasn't, it was right there in front of us. So I want to encourage you to really open up your eyes and look into who's right here in the room, who's right next to you on the screen. Who do you know that if you just allow yourself to show up and then speak up, you can be served. All right. So it's really, I was blown away when I found that. I, I never knew that story. It was, it was crazy. All right. So you still all with me. Okay. So number two, you can say I'm with you if you are. All right, good. I'm glad that you're still here. with you. Okay. So number two, you have to give yourself permission to speak up, which means you have to decide and ask for what you want. Now, my question is, have you really truly given yourself the time to say, what do I really want? Not what can I have? Not what do I think I can get? But if I had a magic wand, if it was an anything is possible magic wand, what would it look like and what would it be? Where would you be living? What would you be doing? Would you be mixing your passion with your purpose and monetizing it? Would you be selling your art? Would you be writing poems like Dr. Lana's doing? Would you be speaking like this? 
Would you be saying no to more people so you can say yes to yourself? What does it look like? I really want you to think about that. And here's why. Lots of times we have these inspired ideas and they're amazing, but we keep them inside. We're dreaming about something, but we keep it inside. Many times we have an inspired idea in the morning. I would say my ideas at eight o'clock in the morning when I'm in the shower are amazing. By four in the afternoon, they're absolute insanity. Anybody relate to that? Kind of go into the, oh gosh, if I want that, it means I'm going to have to do all these things. You can kind of go to the dark side. So I want to encourage you to really like take action on those things when they show up, when you have the energy, when you are in the believe it's possible mode. And that's probably for most of us, I would say in the morning, tell me if you're a morning person or an evening person, you can raise your hand or type in the chat. Morning, a.m., evening, 5 a.m., a.m., early bird. Great. I, I think about 40, I had a, a rule that said no new ideas after 3 p.m. <laughs> Before then, I could take new ideas at any point. But I want to share something with you. So my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at 54. And I was working, I brought my sister in to work with me because I couldn't get through all the stories that were coming in because at the back of the first book of Chicken Soup, we had written, if you have a story you want to share, send it in. I had no idea we were going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of stories. And so my sister had just finished nursing school. She got her um, BSN in, in nursing and she came to work with me while she was studying for her state boards. And she was going through stories and going through stories. My mom's diagnosed. And my sister said, Patty, I think we should write chicken soup for the surviving soul for mom. And I said to my sister, this is so embarrassing. I said, why would they let us do that? We work here. I said that out loud. And my sister said, who are you? And what are you talking about? Why wouldn't they? I mean, you have been here since before chicken soup, making $2 an hour, editing these books, marketing these books, doing like literally bringing your newborn to the office and, and having him watch the Lion King for 10 hours in a swing. I mean, come on, we're passing around your child so you can support these two guys. Why, if not you, who? And I went, okay. And I still didn't believe her, but we put together a proposal and I said, we, I really need to meet with the two of you guys. They were both in different offices at the time. And so they both drove into the same office where we would all meet. And I went into this conference room and my sister was literally kicking me under the table, kicking me under the table. Like it, I think her kicking my shin hurt more than my fear of shouting out what I wanted. And I said, we want to do chicken soup for the surviving soul for my mom. And they looked at each other and they went, that's a great idea. Just like that. That's a great idea. I mean, I, I, I went great you know, as I'm literally about to like die inside. And here's the thing. How many times have you taken yourself out of the game for the coach even put you on the field? How many times do we take ourselves out of the equation? 
How many times have you said no to yourself before anybody else could even try? And what's the worst case? No just means next. And you're already there anyway, right? And so that was the beginning for me of having to show up and really take responsibility. And it was uh, it was a lot. It was it was difficult for me, and it took me a long time to own the fact that I and I went on from there from chicken soup for the surviving soul to chicken soup for the Christian soul to chicken soup for the working mom soul, and so on and so forth. And I kind of started to write wherever I was in the moment of what felt good for me. And so um, it was really a defining moment for me. And if I hadn't have asked, let's face it, ladies, do you think those two guys would have come in and said, hey, we've got a great idea. We think you should write a book. Anybody? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. And I would have watched all these other authors that no one knew up until Chicken Soup and some, God bless them, Marcy Shymoff, Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul. She was the first person to say, I have an idea. I want to do chicken soup for the women's soul. And so she opened the doors to have co-authors. So I, I, I bless that woman every day of my life. She, she really was like a light for me to know that I could ask too, but it took everything in me to do it. And if I hadn't, I would be very miserable right now. I probably would look really horrible. I would have made a lot less money. I would have made a lot less impact in the world. And I definitely wouldn't have been able to provide for my family on levels that I never, ever could have imagined if I hadn't have done that. So I'm going to ask you this question. What's one thing that you will commit to do between now and the end of this weekend that's been scary up until now? One ask that will just stretch you just enough to take you possibly to that next level. Just and, and I like to say this too, when you start to ask, ask for little things. So often we don't ask for anything. And then when we have a big ask, we want to throw up. So ask for little stuff, ask for help, ask for little things. And just know in your head, I'm just, it's a science project. I'm just asking to see how it goes. I'm going to have my poker face. I'm going to smile. I'm going to have high intention, low attachment. Yes or no, it doesn't matter. Start asking for things you don't care if you get to know. It's just a muscle. All right. Great. Again, remember, do not, do not edit your dreams or goals before they come out of your mouth. All right. So the next one, number three, permission to be seen. No more hiding. How many of you feel like you're hiding? Anybody feel like they're hiding? kind of hiding behind that job that's kind of, uh, I got this down. Yeah, hiding in plain view. I love that. Exactly. All right. Well, I can tell you right now, I was a professional hider to the point of I would get in a car if I was with Jack or Mark or somebody else and they said, oh, what do you do? I'd say, he's an author. And here I had all these books. And I never said anything. My kids would go to the go to school and say, my mom makes chicken soup and my dad makes golf bags, but I've never seen her in the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm not a very good cook. My husband is like Hubster with Dr. Lana. He's the, he is the, uh, he's the, the cook in the family. So again, no more hiding. And for me, I was so comfortable. I was the president of chicken soup for the soul. 
And it was so easy for me to do that because I, I knew business. I was raised in a family where my dad had me working every summer at his office and I could do a lot of different things. I was pretty tech savvy in those days. I was young. My brain wasn't 57 and a half. And so I was still on fire, but I literally said no to so many speaking engagements. People would call me and say, can you come and speak to a, a group of seven or 8,000 women? I'd say, oh no, I'm too busy being president of chicken soup, literally. And you know why? Because I was afraid I didn't know if I could do it. And I was afraid to ask someone to help me. Here I am working with one of America's number one success coaches. And I'm afraid to say, hey, by the way, I kind of have a dream to get out there and share the message of my book. Would you be willing to spend a half a day with me and help me? And I never did it. But you know what I did? I kept waiting. I kept waiting for Jack to come to me to say, you know, I think you'd be a really good speaker. Why don't we spend some time together? So in my head, I'm telling myself a story. Well, he's never said that. So he must think that I'm not good enough. He must think that I'm not worthy. I must be embarrassing. He never lets me on that stage. And when he does, he's looking at his watch. So it must mean that I'm not good. I mean, the stories that I would tell myself were insane. I mean, I still tell myself stories, don't get me wrong, but it's time to be seen. And so um, I really want you to say out loud and in the chat, it is time for me to be seen. It is time. It is time. And I, and I would, and I will tell you it's two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's two steps forward, four steps back, but it's okay because when you have the awareness, you can go, all right, I'm hiding. I don't have to hide. I get to choose, have to choose to, what am I going to do? Am I going to choose me? Am I going to be willing to take that extra uncomfortable step? And no, it'll be an out-of-body experience. And you'll be doing it wondering, like, can I do this? But you know what? Just you'll get used to the feeling of that out-of-body experience. You'll go, oh, here I am again. Yeah, I'm kind of panicking, but I'm going to put on my poker face and just do it the best I can do it. And however it will be, it will be. But every time you do something new, the more confidence that you are going to have and I kept thinking, oh, one day, if I just sit in the back of the room and listen to Jack Canfield speak long enough, I will get it. Well, I'm sorry. That is not possible. You can't tell me from the time I'm three till I'm 14, how to ride a bike and not ever put me on it. I'm going to fall off and it's going to hurt worse when I'm 14 than when I'm three. All right. So it's time. All right. So I, and as much as I can say that, and, and Dr. Alana said this earlier, logically, right? We know this logically we know, but emotionally that, that, that emotional logical side, they've got to come together. And for me, it was a defining moment in my life. As I said, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at 54 and at 70, I want to say 68, she was re-diagnosed. And at 71, I was in Hawaii, my house there that I had, had a bunch of people over and I had this vision, some a dream that said something's very, very, very wrong with your mother. My mom said, oh, I'm kind of dizzy, but it's just because, you know, the medication I'm on. And I, I thought, that's not right. So I called the doctor and I couldn't get through. It was in Las Vegas, which is not the best place to be when you're sick. And finally I called again and it said, if you're a doctor, press one. So I pressed one. 
And the woman came on immediately and I said, hi, this is Dr. Aubrey. I'm checking on one of your patients, Linda Mitchell. She's my mother. I would just like to know, is it possible that the cancer that was in her bones could have gone to her brain fluid? And that's why you're not seeing it. And they said, well, yeah, it's possible. And I said, well, is it possible that we could confirm that somehow? They said, yes, we could do a um, spinal tap. And I said, okay, if we did that, how long would it take before we knew that it was positive or negative? And they said, probably about 48 hours. And I said, and if it's positive, how long does she have? And they said, probably between four and seven days. And I hung up the phone and I jumped on a plane and I landed at midnight and I walked into my mother's hospital room and she said, think you're a doctor. And I said, I know, be quiet. So she knew I was up to something. And so we were waiting and we were having conversations and um, it came back that it was positive and she only had a few days. And so we were um, in hospice. We moved her, she started having seizures and my dad freaked out. He couldn't handle it. He didn't know what to do. He'd been with my mom for 52 years. He'd never been alone. And he said, I can't do this at home. And so we put her in hospice and we were there one night, late at night, right before she died. It was probably about eight hours before she died. And she said, promise me that you will stop hiding behind those men. You have worked your butt off. You have done everything they have done. They couldn't have gotten there with you without you. And you maybe wouldn't have gotten there without them. But together, you made this possible. Promise me you'll stop hiding. And so I made that promise. And that is when permission granted was born. I had to give myself permission to be seen. I had to do the work. And again, it was two steps forward, one step back. But I knew that I could not go out there and tell other people to do something. And I also knew that I promised my mother. So the days I was scared, and there were many, and there still are, I know she's right here. She's got my back. And so I just really, really, really want to encourage all of you to remember that we are all here to have your back. You don't have to have a parent die or some tragic thing happen to show up and be seen because your voice is worth being heard. And you need to follow your soul, no matter what anybody else has to say. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. I know that. And I know you do too. And I know you will hear along the way, no one's ever done that, or that's impossible, or are you sure? And just remember that when you hear those words, those are going to be some of your favorite words of all time, because you know what? I love when someone says that's never been done before. I'm like, up until now, up until now. So that's another slogan that I would seriously consider keeping up until now. So I want to ask you, what would happen for you if you started today by imagining that you could have everything you wanted, that you have, you could do anything and everything you ever wanted to achieve? What would it be? Because you can. And you definitely need a chief believer. And part of my mission in life 
is to share my stories about permission granted because I want to give permission, women permission to show up, speak up and be seen. I didn't have a lot of women saying, go get this girl. You can do it. I had a husband who was like, oh my gosh, my wife's getting kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit famous. And, but we got these kids and I like her at home. And, you know, I got this partner slash boss at the time. It's like, no, no, if she goes and does that, who's going to do the books and do all this other stuff for me. So I, I want you to make sure that you have your cheerleading squad, that you have the people that you need that are there for you. And that's why you're here. That's what Dr. Alana is for. That's the space that she's created. That's why she showed up and talked to nobody on Facebook. But look at her today and look at all the thousands of people and all the lives that she's touched. And that can be you. And it will be you because here's the deal. When we make it about other people, when we come from a place of service, the fear starts to melt away. It starts to go away. When we make it about us and what if they don't like me, forget it. It's not worth doing. Go Netflix. So always remember, if I choose me, I choose others. And that's coming from service. Totally different vibration, right? Can you feel that? Feel like a better vibe? All right. So I'm going to tell you one last story. I want to leave you with, um, I don't know how many of you know, Lisa Nichols, you can type in the chat. Yes. Or raise your hand. She was in the secret. Um, she's been a great friend of mine forever. And, um, I was, I was interviewing her and she, and I didn't know this at the time, but she did chicken soup for the African-American soul with us. And then she did a couple other books as well. And, um, she said, you know, when you and Jack asked me to do chicken soup for the African-American soul, she said, I thought, what? Are you kidding me? I didn't even graduate high school. I got a D in English. I can't write a book. There's no way. And she had all the self-talk going on. And, um, and she said, she said, I literally didn't believe that I could do it. She said, but in that moment, she said, it was like a God moment. I knew this was an opportunity. And so she said, I chose to borrow your belief in me. And I said, yes. And she said, the book changed my life forever. I mean, not to mention Lisa is one of the most gifted, unbelievable speakers of all time. And so if you get scared, if you start to freak out, if tomorrow you have some big idea or tonight you wake up inspired and tomorrow by the afternoon you're tired, just remember to reach out and ask, can you please believe in me today? Because sometimes we need somebody that believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And that's just the way it is. We're all going to have those inner critics. And by the way, we don't need any outside critics. So get rid of all those too. Make a list. Outside critics have to go. They are not good for your psyche. Okay. It's just not a good idea. So remember that with Lisa. And then the last thing I want to say is I, I have a quote from Dr. Um, Ayanna Vincent. She and I were talking about permission granted. And she's like, you know, Patty, I don't mean to insult you but you don't really need to give yourself permission because God gave you permission when you were conceived. God gave you permission when you were in the womb. And I went, okay, thank you. <laughs> but can I still teach this? And she said, of course you can, but that's what's true. And so we all have the ability to go and do something. The question is, what is it that speaks to you? Not what somebody else is doing, not what somebody thinks you should do, not what even seems logical, but what is calling, what's tugging at your soul, what's hidden so so deep inside there that you haven't said it out loud yet. 
That's the thing that you need to pull from and start to talk about. And the more you talk about it and the more you share it with others, the more clarity you're going to get, the more you're going to embody it, the more people are going to ask questions. Think of those questions as discovery questions, not questions of, oh, like reframe those questions. Huh, that's an interesting question. Let me make sure I'm clear about that. And it gives you more and more clarity as you go along. And so instead of getting defensive, which is a a reaction, stay in that space of a response of, hmm, good question. I wish I'd learned that about 25 years ago. I'd had a lot less fights with Jack Canfield. But anyway, I hope this inspires you to give yourself permission to have whatever it is that you desire. And I know that the speakers throughout the weekend are going to reinforce and give you great ideas. So be open and be blessed and just come from that place. You have everything you need to go to whatever it is that's next for you. Wow. You guys give Patty a virtual applause. This was absolutely amazing. First of all, Patty, thank you so much for, I mean, how many of you guys are full with just so many notes and nuggets and things that you just feel inspired by? Thank you so much, Patty. Um, I want to actually open it up and just see if you have a question for Patty, why don't you, um, put your question in the chat box. And I would love, Pat, if you have time to take a couple of questions. Sure. Um, I I guess I'll ask you a first question. Um, Because I know you you talked about this, but your story was just so amazing to walk through, you know, that 24-year-old woman to who you are now. And uh, just in case people don't understand um, the trajectory of your impact, can you share with people, for example, um, some of the outcomes of what it was like to kind of work with all of those books in chicken soup and what actually happened? Cause we know you, we know who you are, but some people may not. And can you tell people what that outcome was just from working with chicken soup for the soul? Well, it was a lot of things really. I mean, people used to say, what do you do? I would say I'm chief chicken, <laughs> you know, cause I'd go from one chicken coop to the other. And I, at, by the time, I don't know. I would say the second book came out, Jack and I live close together, but I used to live an hour and a half away. So I had time to sort of decompress. Now I lived around the block. So I would just go around the block a few times before I went from one chicken coop to the other, having the kids at home and everything else. Um, but I think, I think the blessings were, I got to see other people's stories through their eyes. I got to learn lessons that I didn't have to do on my own. Um, I, I learned a lot. I learned humility. I learned that, um, money and fame just makes you more of who you really are. Um, I, I learned that, you know, take every moment because you, it's like suddenly you work so hard and things start to happen. And then you just think it's just normal. My publisher would say, write these moments down. This is not normal. Nobody publishes this amount of books, millions of books. I mean, we had seven books, one through seven on New York times bestseller list at one point. And to actually like, embody that was really, I didn't, I mean, honestly, I didn't until way later. Um, but really, I, I would say, learn to enjoy your successes, learn to enjoy those little moments. I mean, some will be big, but if you start to appreciate the little ones, and I would say, when you write down those successes and you look at how did I feel right before it happened, scared, freaked out, how did I feel after? Amazing. Remember that before, oh, this is just the before feeling. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the after feeling because when you bring the feelings together, it just makes a huge difference. 
All right. Well, you've got a question from Kay Williams. Kay, go for it. Patty, thank you so much. Your story is not only inspiring, but I am absolutely blown away by your humility. Yeah. Because I, your humility, it just, it just comes through because I know of the success of the series of books and sort of work that you've done. And you shared so authentically and so beautifully. Thank you. So my question is, you know, society has us editing ourselves. And it doesn't matter how much education we have. I know that. I know that very thing of which you speak, that really resonated with me. Don't edit before you even ask. Mm -hmm. Because I know of very often I discount or put myself, nah, I won't ask. I couldn't. Or I edit what I have to say or I edit my dreams. For you, what is that trigger when you, sometimes it's so automatic because you are, you've been conditioned so deeply uh-huh. not to speak of, you know, your dreams or not to speak of your goals or to play a little smaller or to conform a little tighter into the box. What's that trigger for you when you catch yourself editing? Because sometimes you don't get a second chance to ask. No, it's true. So you've already you've already edited yourself out of it. What I what I've learned over time is to call my best of besties and tell them the ones that are there <clears throat> to really support my dreams. The ones that know I'm crazy. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll come up with something. Jack will say, you're crazy. I'm like, we know that let's just get on to how to. So, but it took a long time. So don't share it with the bookkeeper or don't share it with that linear person who is going to, there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable living on the edge and not knowing and not knowing the next steps. And all of you are obviously here because you're okay with that. You're entrepreneurs and not everybody thinks that way. So try stay in this group, hang out with these people because no one's going to discount that inspired idea. You have to have your tribe. I, I, it took me way too long. I get so excited to tell everybody then everybody to have an opinion and then I get pissed. <laughs> all right. We've got uh, one more statement tomorrow. You want to say something? Oh, I have a question. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh. Who's speaking? Oh. Oh, Kelly, right after Tamaya. Okay. Our last question. Go ahead. Okay, Patty, I just wanted to say um, I am really inspired by what you said. Uh, my life changed around that same time, probably about 23 when I lost my mom. And I shut myself down and I let other people talk me out of ideas that I had and things I wanted to do, but I am so inspired. I have been through a lot. I have a very powerful story and I had to stop letting people put lids on my story because of what they thought about my story. But once I asked my kids, would they be embarrassed by me telling my story to the world to help other people? And they said, no way, do it. And so I felt like not only was I given permission by God because the gift he put in me and the things that he put me through. But my kids was like that confirmation for me to say, no, mom, we won't be embarrassed by you telling your true story. Just do it. And so now it's up to me to take that next step. And I really feel so inspired. And I feel like I can really take that next step without thinking about what anybody else has to say about it. No naysayers, no anything. Just do it. 
Wow. So thank you so and much. You're so welcome. And I want, I want to just have, this is a little piece for you when that happens. Okay. Because I asked my boys when they were a little bit younger, did you feel abandoned from me? Because I was so busy building this thing. And my, my younger mom my younger son said, mommy, anybody could take me to practice, but nobody could show me how to live my purpose and my passion. Mm-hmm. And so just remember you're a model for your, the people that you love the most, your kids are everything. So what will you do to show your kids what's possible? Keep that in the front, in the forefront of your head and you'll go, you'll walk through any fire. Wow. Wow. Okay. One last comment, Kelly, go for it. My question was, um, when did you identify like your purpose? Like you had like the aha moment, like this is it. Oh my gosh, girl. It took forever. (laughs) I was overthinking it. So for me, my, my gift is really to connect people and to be really creative and just through creativity and connection. And I was always doing it. I was always connecting people, whether it was on the soccer field or, you know, at church or whatever it might be. And I just, I, I thought it had to be harder. And so often it's our unique abilities that are our purpose. And so what I would say is go out and say to your five closest friends, what do you see are my two top unique abilities? And I bet you anything, they're going to be very similar in those. And, and that's where you start to develop that. It took me about 15 years. No, I'm sorry, 20, <laughs> 20 years, 2009. I went, oh, I know my purpose, <laughs> but I've been doing it the whole time. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of like you have to wear different hats until you find the hat that fits. Yeah. And I think our, I think you could ask Dr. Lana, me or anyone else, your, your purpose morphs over time. It's always similar, but it changes because your roles change as you go from 30 to 40 to 50, you know, so it's, it just looks a little different. That's all. Well, I want to just interject and just say, again, give your virtual round of applause to Patty. She is absolutely amazing. Go check out her book, go and click on her link right on IWBCC 2022. Patty, I, if I could just come through the computer screen and give you the biggest hug I will be giving you. (laughs) Well, I just want to say thank you for having me and thank you for being so brave to do what you've done because I know that no one goes it alone. And this group is so important and having your coaching and having that reminder, because again, you know, we get in our heads and then we, if I say, if you leave me long enough alone, I will talk myself in or out of anything. So thank you, Dr. Lana, for being such a guiding light for all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you, Patty. Have a wonderful night. Thanks you too. All right. So guys, wow, this was, I cannot even believe, I know we went over a little bit, but weren't you guys, I just have to ask you guys, how are you feeling after listening to Patty Aubrey tell her story after having Teresa open us up and remind us that we could be very present after hearing and meeting new faces from all over the country, right? Uh, after looking out and seeing our spotlight speakers, like, doesn't that just give you, I call it a tuggle. It's like a love, it's like a a hug to the heart. Doesn't that just give you uh, that feeling? Um, So I just want to say that, you know, 
thank you to everybody. On a Friday night, you showed up. You showed up in California. You showed up in Atlanta. You showed up in Boston. You showed up in New York and all the other places I didn't mention. I want to say now, I've got some homework for you. There's no way I'm not going to give you homework. I know you said, what? I already got homework. It's 9.30 p.m. But people who want to show up in their dreams, you can do some homework. So I would just say, make sure you click on the app so you can access the brochure. Um, if you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then definitely if Pam, if you can put your email down, put, uh, let Pam know that you don't know how to access the workbook and we'll make sure that we, that you get the link so you can, uh, follow along and jot down your aha moments. So here's what I double dare some of you to do now in IWBCC, the Facebook group, I double dare you to just jot down. What were your biggest ahas today? What did you enjoy? How are you going to play full out? And remember, you are beautiful. You are valuable. Nothing about you is a mistake. How many of you are excited about day two? Now, I will say 8 a.m. is our VIP time. So at 8 a.m., you want to log in because for an hour, you can have an, we're having an AMA moment. So that means ask me anything about growing your business, how I got started. That's going to be the first hour. Then at nine, all the way until the end of the day, we have our set agenda. So you can always visit the IWBCC website. You can look at your brochure to know which spotlight speakers are speaking when. Let me also wrap up by saying this. I decided to throw this conference together well, not throw. I decided to put this conference together to interrupt your story. Somebody put interruption. There's no way you can leave a conference like this feeling the same. And so if you're feeling like, oh, it's a little hard to just fall asleep at night because you just got so many ideas, that's a good thing. If you find yourself just waking up a little earlier tomorrow, like you're up at 7.15, that's a good thing. I'm going to double dare you to show up tomorrow as if you were the boss you envisioned yourself to be. Did y'all hear me? That means if you said you're going to be a five-star speaker, you're going to have those clients, you're going to be that bridge builder, look like the boss you have said you desire to be. Stop telling yourself you're not there yet. Nobody knows you. You're not Oprah. No, you're you. And you're the best five-star you that you can be. Wow. What an amazing event that event was where we got to come forward for the first night of the Be The Best series. And I want you to know that if this touched you, we definitely want to hear your comments and we definitely want to hear your feedback. Make sure you head over to toljispark.com to stay, stay subscribed to all of our upcoming events. Now, look, we are going to have what is called an upgrade-a-thon on Saturday, December 2nd, and I would love to see you be a part of that. There is absolutely no cost to attend, and all we ask is that you play full out with your dreams and with your goals. Look, we have so much work to do. I was reading a post the other day where an entrepreneur was saying that she just wanted to give up. And she just felt like stopping because, hey, after all, we were in November. So what was the point of, of continuing? And I said, what? This is the most important time because this is the time where, unfortunately, thousands of people struggle with depression, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed. Some people may not have jobs right now. And I want to encourage you to know that even in that discomfort, you can use the discomfort of not having a job 
to figure out what you really want to do. You can use the discomfort of a lack of sales in your business to figure out how to be creative. You see, yes, sometimes circumstance will happen to us, but we then have to ask ourselves, even in this most difficult time, how can I keep a smile on my face? How can I keep going? Where can I get help? But you've got to play your part because sometimes people aren't going to come to your basement to rescue you. And sometimes it's you actually looking in that mirror and saying, I'm going to show up for me in a way that I have never shown up for myself. Maybe this obstacle and challenge is the one opportunity that you have to finally say yes to you all over again. You know, I think when we have scraped knees, it's really an opportunity to either A, cry about those scraped knees or say, oh my gosh, that scraped knee happened, but what can I do to avoid the fall again? Or what can I do to gain the support that I need? Now look, if people are going out of their way, sending you information, giving you some guidance, and you still refuse to do anything with that information, it's not their responsibility to pull you out of a pit if you're not also willing to pull your bootstraps up. It's just like when you're on a flight and you're it's going on takeoff and they tell you, look, if anything should happen, make sure you take care of yourself first and then look out for the person that's seated to your left or to your right. And I just want to encourage you that even if you have felt down or depressed or dejected or whatever, take a moment, take a breath, listen to this podcast over the holidays to lift your spirits and to know that you are not by yourself. Matter of fact, if you lost a job, millions of people are out of work. If you lost a job, if you feel sick, if you're not well, let's take time to pause and think about what we need. I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab my book, Upgrade My Life and Biz. I wrote it for those of you who say, look, I'm having a difficult time. This podcast is brought to you by Turning on the Lights Global Institute and all of our partners. We want to thank you for being a part of the Spark family. Till next time. Remember, you are beautiful, valuable, and nothing about you is a mistake. And thank you to our special guest, Patty Aubrey for being a part of the tribe and for sharing your wisdom with us. Bye-bye.